0: Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. You know, we're going to continue the series today called Destined for Breakthrough. Uh, We went through 21 days of Declare through uh, January 7th through the 27th. And for some of you, that might seem like a distant past where you gave up eating for a portion of that time or maybe for all 21 days and you pressed in, you prayed, you you uh, read read God's word more and more. But I want to just reaffirm to you that DeClaire was just the beginning of the rest of 2018. It wasn't the end of something. It wasn't, uh, well, this was great. Now let's move on to something completely different. This was the foundation that those who call central their home are building upon. So when people come in here, they will experience the breakthrough that God wants them to experience and that you'll experience that also. I believe that he wants to, have, he wants to demonstrate fruit and fulfillment in our lives. And we're going to continue to press into that throughout 2018. Uh, Last week, I talked about a verse from Micah 2.12 discussing the future deliverance uh, promised and Israel's restoration. But it also applies to us because we're a part of the greater church now. And he says this, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob, this is the Lord speaking, I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng, With people. Then in my translation, it says this, one who breaks open the way. Some of your translations say the breaker, as we talked about last week. So one who breaks open the way, who is the breaker, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. He is the God of the breakthrough. Can you say this? Say God is the God of the breakthrough. Yeah, God is the God who provides the breakthrough for us. And it says here, one who breaks open the way will go before them, this is the Lord, and then it says, they will break through the gate and go out, their king will pass through before them and the Lord at their head. So the Lord isn't just at their head and the Lord isn't just before them and the Lord isn't just their king, he's actually the one that breaks open the door. I want you to understand that breakthrough is a partnership with God. If you see in these verses here, he's the one that's opening the way. He's doing something sovereign that we can't do on our own. So we pray, we press in, we host his presence upon our life, we relate to people in love, we lay lay down our lives for other people, but he has to be the one that actually breaks open. Then the verse goes on and says that we are the ones that are actually breaking through the open doors, Which leads me to believe that in people's lives, if we're not watching, we're praying and praying and praying, and God is breaking open, maybe even a slight door for us, and we're saying, ah, that doesn't look right. So we don't walk through. Right? We're waiting for this boom and the glory cloud to settle and the lightning to go off. We're like, okay, I'm ready to walk through now. And we might be looking at this door. Maybe the Lord's opening that one. So we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We need to be discerning what he's doing now in our life. So when he breaks something open, we're willing to break through that open door. It's a promise that he has. I love seeing Micah. He's saying that the Lord's gonna go before us. But if you look even in Isaiah 52, I believe it's in verse 12, he says that the Lord's not just before us, but the Lord's also our rear guard. So he's before us, he's with us, and he's behind us. That should give us confidence that when he breaks something open, we can walk through with boldness and with confidence. I also said last week, this isn't gonna be a life without troubles. We don't have to look for troubles. We don't have to look for challenges and struggles. But Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he doesn't, he doesn't say, okay, you guys got that? Okay, good night. Sleep on that for a little bit. Like that would not be cool. Right? My translation says, but take heart. Right? I have overcome the world. So when you, when we, when we took those requests two weeks ago about specific areas in your life you were praying for and hoping for and trusting for breakthrough in your life, God designed us, our brains, the way the chemicals go off in our brains, he designed us not to focus on the challenges that are right before us. He he, he designed us not to look at the mountain before us, but to look at the overcomer in whom we serve. So if we have to understand, he said, our Lord and Savior said, I have overcome the world, and now we are in Christ, which makes us overcomers. So we're either gonna meditate on our problems and the areas that just won't happen the right way, the way that we expect them to happen, or we're gonna focus on the breaker, and the overcomer, and we're gonna trust him as he leads us through the way. So what we need to do, we just need to continue to believe. We need to continue to press in. We need to not give up, right? Like sometimes we think that we've lost the battle, and then we have to just realize, wait a minute, who won the war? Like we're on his side. We're in him, we're his children. And that should excite more than eight of you in this room. Like, yeah, okay, okay, he overcame, I get that, I've heard that already. Like, I actually want to walk that out in my life. To say, listen, this looks hard, it looks difficult, the wall's big, the mountain's enormous, but he has overcome the entire world. So I'm just not going to give up, I'm just going to keep praying, I'm going to keep pressing in, I'm going to keep looking at his word for him to teach me more and more until I have more revelation. What happens when you mess up? What happens when you sin? What happens when you fall flat on your face? You get back up. You confess, repent, and keep moving. Not one of the athletes that are, tr- that, that are in the Olympics right now can say, I've overcome every single obstacle every single time. For We hear the highlights, don't we? We hear all the highlights of all the things they've done, all the gold, gold medals. But if you watch before and after the program, they'll tell you the stories, how they broken bones and failed marriages and all these challenges that came their way. And yet they're standing on that platform receiving the prize that they continue to fight for. Why? Because they're the best in the world? Maybe, or maybe they were just willing to not give up. So you want breakthrough, and you're pressing in and trusting God for breakthrough. Just don't give up. Donna Masters, a trusted member of the church, handed me a prophetic word, which I feel like is for today. Even Annie's prayer, we're gonna get into fear in just a little bit, and they don't know what, where I'm going, but she said this, uh, she felt like this was from the Lord. My children, I know you're weary, trying to draw closer to me because the enemy comes at you with lies, but come after me. Put your armor on and speak my truths. I will fight the battle. Remember, I have never lost against the enemy. You pour this into your heart when you're facing trouble and trials, you're going to see victory eventually. You guys with me? Two weeks ago, we asked you for requests. What areas in your life do you want to see breakthrough? The number one answer by far were family salvations. Those of you who have been praying for years for loved ones to get saved. About three or four more items down the list, another top answer within, I believe it was in the top five, or family relationships, families that were split apart. I'm not talking about just the bickering that goes on within a house sometimes and just some arguments. I'm talking about split relationships that you know because of years ago, because when your mother or your father passed away, your sister-in-law got the china and you got something else, and because of that, it causes a split. And you might wanna laugh, but you know it's real. There are family members that don't talk for decades because of a piece of jewelry, because you got Easter and they had to get Thanksgiving. Think about this. We don't actually admit that it's an issue until we take time to say, where do I want breakthrough? I would really like to be close to my brother right now or my you know, mother-in-law or my uncle or my cousin, whoever that is for you. So it's a real need that you guys are facing. That's why we asked you what was on your heart. So we're gonna combine these two things together today, talk about family salvations and family restoration. So listen, God's original design for family was to start with a man, and a woman, and that they were gonna get married. And then out of that love for each other, there are children that are born. And then out of that, they are raised in a safe, a healthy environment where they're raised up in the Lord. That's the Lord's will. The Lord's will is that families stick together. Those of you with blended families, the Lord's will is that you grow, that you forgive people who have hurt you, who have abandoned you in the past, and then you take what God has given you so graciously and you make that work, because God still has a plan and a purpose for you as well. Are you with me? Those of you who are single and unmarried, don't hear family and think that doesn't count. You have, or at one point had, a mother and a father. You have extended family who are there to care for you. And if you don't have anybody else around you, the best expression of family should be the church. You look at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Before they ever created man, they were hanging out and talking and conversing, and they were on the same page that they would create man in their image, the image of the perfect family but the enemy has us under attack especially in the united states over the past couple years the word's called inclusion but what that really means is a man who was obviously born a male can now at any time at any day decide you know what i'm a i'm a lady now i'm a woman now and you look at lawmakers who are making these decisions and you think like wait a minute you're intelligent enough to get to this position but you're saying now a man who was obviously born a man this is not too difficult to figure out folks you're not a woman Nor will you ever be. And now a lawmaker says, trying to legislate morality, says, well, a man can marry a man, a woman can marry a woman. You can check off five different boxes of what gender you are when you're applying for college. And what's happening is the enemy's attacking the very structure of the biblical view of marriage because it will destroy a nation if he can do that. I want you to hear me straight. We can speak with boldness and truth in love about what we don't like, but we are not going to be known, central will not be known for what we're against. We're going to be known for what we support. So I'm not ever going to ask you or lead you to, in fact, we'll correct you if we hear it, we're not going to judge, criticize, condemn, isolate, ostracize somebody who's living an alternative lifestyle that just doesn't know Jesus yet. They just don't know. So we don't say we're better and you're not. No, we say we love you because God loved you. So we draw them closer into relationship. We begin to reveal their true identity, their true spiritual DNA that God created them with. And eventually, if we believe for their breakthrough long enough, they'll experience that breakthrough. They might not even know Jesus, but we keep going. We keep loving. We keep reaching out. We keep praying and pressing on. And they'll see breakthrough. So I'm not the person. I'm not gonna go down to the corner with a big poster with a negative word about how God hates this and this and this. I've never seen that be successful in drawing somebody into the kingdom. God's kindness will lead to repentance. I believe we can look somebody in the face and say, I do not condone your lifestyle, but I love you. I I want you to know the Savior that I know. Do you guys understand that? I'm not saying be weak or soft against sin. I'm saying don't condone lifestyle. Love a person who's lost, who just needs help. That's it. We've all been lost in our own ways. We're not gonna exalt that sin above anything else. What I'm saying is the enemy's trying to use weapons, spiritual weapons, in the form of homosexuality, in the form of division, in the form of divisiveness and gossip within families to try to destroy this family unit. But we need to be able to declare these weapons will not succeed. These weapons will not succeed. In Isaiah 54, Isaiah's prophesying about the future glory of Zion, the Jews, the church. He says this, but in the coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. Those of you who read, I think it's in the King James, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So look at this. No weapon turned against you is designed to succeed against you. Not one of them. And then he goes on in the next verse. He's not talking about the Lord here now. He's saying, you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. How many of you are servants of the Lord? Old Testament, New Testament. Listen, this is all threaded through with the new covenant. So I can make this a declaration, declares not over because we're done fasting. I can say no weapon formed against me, no weapon turned against me will prosper, will succeed. Whatever translation you wanna use is fine with me but you could say that the devil's attacking my marriage, the devil's attacking my family, the devil's attacking my extended family, whatever it is, but your word says no weapon that was designed to be against me is gonna win, is gonna succeed, is gonna prosper. And this is the partnership. This is the match made in heaven. What does he say here? He doesn't say he's gonna shut the mouth. He says, you will silence the mouth of your accusers. Now, if we understand your accuser is not your father-in-law. Your accuser is not your cousin or your, or your child. Your accuser is not your sister who's far from the Lord. Your accuser is the devil. Amen. Come on. Are you with me? Yes. At some point, we have to get rid of the arguments and the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness. We're the Christians. Maybe your family member that's far from you or far from the Lord don't know the Lord. Maybe they once knew the Lord and they're far from him now. At some point we have to say, they're not accusing me. Even if they're doing it, the enemy's just using their voice. So if I catch the revelation that that weapon is not gonna prosper against my life, I now shut the mouth of the accuser. Because how? What if he just keeps yapping in the ear, yapping in the ear? You shut your ears to him. You take your thoughts captive and now you shut the mouth of your accuser. And now that person calls you, emails you, writes you letters, slander, slander, bash, lie, accuse, whatever. And it doesn't affect your soul anymore. Because you're not allowing that weapon to be used against you. Listen, we catch topics like family relationships and family salvations. And a lot of times they're turned in as prayer requests. Like Like, I really need to see breakthrough here. And what that could mean for many of you is for years, I've been praying that my loved one comes to know Jesus. I've been praying that you know, my aunt, uncle, whoever it is, will come back and restore. And I believe in this year, we've said it through, declare, and we're gonna continue to say it. I believe the Lord wants us to continue praying. That's the foundation for everything. But I believe it's time for us to start positioning ourselves to be the answer to our own prayers. Like God might be saying, listen, you've been praying for this person for 30 years. Will you call them already? Go buy the flowers and just visit their house already. Right? If we're throwing up requests, 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 maybe we're not stopping long enough to just listen. Like, do you know why he got mad at you when you were 13? Because you, you broke his bike and he's been bitter ever since. He doesn't know me. Go buy a kid's bike and take it to his house and it'll heal his soul in a second. Right? We serve a supernatural God. So he's able to address the issue, the root issue in the person's soul that is causing them to not follow Jesus or not be right with you. And he has the answers because he's overcome. And maybe, just maybe, if we're willing to be the answer to our prayer, if God chooses to use us, we can see breakthrough. Last week, Jim Twigger, one of our elders, and Alan Wiltrout, our trusted member of the church, both came to me with similar words. They said, I'm not sure if it's for today or not. One was before service, one was after talking about marriages being the foundation. Alan was like, uh, I just really feel like the Lord wants to do something with families in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Neither of them knew where I was going yet with this, this uh, topic today. I started looking at ver, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love verses that are so often used in weddings. And they're used when the couple's standing up here and maybe they're hot because they're not used to being in the lights and they know that's only supposed to be five to eight minutes long and they just wanna kiss, they just wanna get the rings on, they wanna go and have fun. And they hear these verses, but it's not practical. It doesn't actually get into people's lives. So I'm gonna read these over us. And I feel like the Lord wants us uh, to take this to heart, these verses to heart. I feel like the Lord in this short season of time is going to break open a door of opportunity that we can choose to walk through using these verses. And we will absolutely see breakthrough. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm just gonna read the portion uh, that you know probably uh, most well. It says, love is patient. Love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it is not rude it is not self-seeking it is not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects it always trusts it always hopes always perseveres verse 8 says love never fails I mean, these are powerful verses Patient, kind, no envy, no boasting, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, no record of wrongs. And this is the thing, love is not some abstract topic that mysteriously just happens in family. Love is a person. A person is you because God is love and God is in you. Now, when I read these verses, it's very easy, husbands and wives, to be like, yeah, he's not patient, he's not kind, he's not. He's not. <laughs> thinking about your child, thinking about your parent. If you're thinking about somebody else when these verses are being read, you've disqualified yourself from personal revelation for it to change your own life. And I, I, was, I was frustrated this morning. I was trying to get all these different things done. My, my kids actually, they weren't behaving or anything, just having fun. Felt myself get frustrated. I'm like, that dumb devil, I'm telling you. He knows I'm coming to speak these messages. I'm just being real because we're in process. So I have, listen, this is the number one first thing. If you want restoration, don't ever look at these verses and think if only that person would listen to these verses. Jesus never operated like that. Jesus was love. How many times do we do that? They're not patient. They're not kind. They're rude. They keep all the record of wrongs. No, 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 no. These verses were not meant for that. These verses were meant to prophesy and declare and speak over your life, not in a way that condemns, not in a way that makes you feel small or like a failure, but it's a place of supernatural lifestyle that God says, this is possible. This is actually possible because I'm in you. So the foundation is this. In 1 John 4, 7, it says this, dear friends, let us love one another. It's a pretty clear command, right? for love comes from God. So there's a foundation here. We can love one another, why? Because the love first comes from God. So he sets the example. He says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. That's a pretty bold statement. Because God is love. The only way you're able to love somebody who literally, I, I, I get it, I understand it's real. I've talked to enough of you. You have real family members who slander you, who gossip about you, who lie about you to other family members. You have family members that will not come over to your house in a few, in several weeks for Easter, because of something you accidentally said ten years ago, and they feel justified. And we then sometimes feel justified to say, "Well, then about them." And da-da-da. well, they're just this, and they're just this, and we fall into the same rut. But if we learn how to receive his love, then we could just love with no strings attached. So let's let's revise these verses in 1 Corinthians to give us a a better image of who God is. It says, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. Am I taking this out of context? Absolutely not. It's talking about love, and the Bible says God is love. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, God always trusts, God always hopes, God always perseveres, God never fails. So if we go the way of love, then eventually we can be sure that it's not going to fail. So this is our example. Uh, This is the thing we need to catch. In God's love, he doesn't try to control people. He doesn't, he doesn't, listen, he gave us free will. We're not his puppets. So when someone rebels against him, when someone chooses to live an alternative lifestyle, when someone chooses seriously to get mad because you got the China and they didn't, I'm bringing up silly situations because I know it actually causes real division in families. Whenever that's happening and people are acting foolishly, God does not get easily angered at them. God is still loving them. In fact, he doesn't just decide, this is enough. Boom, and wax them. He doesn't do that. They still have free will their entire life. You know what God does? He keeps loving them. And 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 what do we do? We try to fix them. And we try to fix them. And we try to fix them. We try to force them into church. We try to force a decision on them. And God's like, wait a minute. I'm your God. I'm the overcomer. Why are you doing something that I'm not doing? Think about that. The more we try to fix our family, we're working against God. Instead of waiting for him to break open the door and then us break through the gate, as in Micah. Right? So if we're just love and we're praying and we're willing to be the answer to the prayer that we're praying, then we can believe that we'll see breakthrough. So the Bible, I'm not going to spend time in the verse, but the Bible says we have the mind of Christ because we're in Christ, okay? So if we have the mind of Christ, Hebrews says that Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of God. So follow this. God is love. And if God is love, then Jesus is also love. Very good. And if we're hidden in Christ and we have the mind of Christ, how should we be operating? In? Very good. Very good. So I'm gonna revise this two more times for you. In 1 Corinthians 13, this is not scripture, this is my revision, please follow me. We should be able to declare this over our life until we see victory in this area. I am patient, I am kind, I do not envy, I do not boast, I am not proud, I am not rude, I am not self-seeking, I am not easily angered, I keep no record of wrongs. Some of your stomachs might be dropping. You're like, this isn't true. Okay, you're declaring God's word over your life. What's gonna help you for the next 30 years saying I'm easily angered and I'm rude and I hold grudges? Is that gonna help? Some of you feel uncomfortable declaring things that aren't true about your life yet. Until we're living a lifestyle that Jesus is living, let's keep declaring it until our life lines up with it. So it might hurt to say, I'm not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs, but God, I know I keep record of wrongs. But your Bible says your word says that God keeps no record of wrongs because love keeps no record of wrongs. So I keep no record of wrongs. If you wake up like that, the first time somebody wrongs you, and you've already declared that over your life, the Holy Spirit now has something to work with. Are you gonna keep this record of wrong? It says, I do not delight in evil but rejoice with truth. I always protect. No, you don't. There will be a day when I do. I always trust. I always hope. I always persevere. Now, I put another translation up there. For those of you who are like, I cannot say this over myself. I put a futuristic one up there. You can put the next slide. I will be patient. I will be kind. I will not have it. Just give something. Give God something to work with. Leave here saying, if I know God is love and I know God gave a definition of love and I know the spirit of Christ lives in me, then something's coming my way. There will be breakthrough coming my way. Now listen though, you might be thinking, how does this have to do with my son who doesn't know Jesus? How does this have to do with you know my cousin who hates me right now? It's this, we're not trying to control people. We're not trying to force them into a decision. You were designed to control one person on the entire face of the earth, and that is you. I know us parents probably struggle with that every day. We wanna like control our kids, like make your bed now and clean up this now. No, if we stay under control, then the people around us will experience peace. Yeah, but what if I, but the, 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 no, 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 no. You be love. You become love. He'll open the door. You can walk through the door. Make the phone call. Maybe right after you eat some pie today, you'll go straight to your, your, uh, your loved one's house and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For the last 25 years, we haven't talked because of something that happened on vacation. I'm sorry. Is it really worth it? Is it worth it to go one more day? We have clarity through the word. And he prayed at this, at the, at the beginning of service. I believe this, when we want to control somebody and we can't, we realize we're not in control and we can't fix it, all we can do is be loved, what, ha- the, what happens is that spirit of fear attacks our soul. It's fear-based. You read enough Christian parenting books and so on, they'll say when you feel out of control, When your child's doing something or your your neighbor or your loved one's doing something that you don't like and and that anger comes up, the the root of that is an anger. The root of that is fear. What am I supposed to do now? I can't control this. I can't fix this. All that anxiety rising up is fear. So I love that Annie, not knowing I was gonna share some of these verses today, prayed that the spirit of fear would be cut off today. Because if fear's gone, then we could be perfected in love. Then we could be loved to those who we can't control and can't fix. 1 John 4:18 says there is no fear in love. That's pretty clear. Perfect love drives out fear. So this is cool. We don't have to just like tell fear to leave and then say like what do I do next? What we do is we ask for perfect love of the Father to come. I want to experience more of your love. I'm still frustrated. I'm still keeping record of wrongs. I'm still rude. I'm still easily angered. Whatever areas that is, God, I just need to experience more of your love. Encounter me. Visit me when I'm asleep. Do something, Father. Fill me with more of your perfect love. And as that love comes, darkness can't stay. When love comes, fear has to leave. It says that perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Are you following that? So if we're, we're, you might not think you're afraid of your loved one who doesn't love you. You might not think you're afraid of your child who's far from God, whatever the situation is. But it is is a root of fear because you can't fix it. The quicker we realize we can't fix it, all we can do is become love. And we'll be able to walk in freedom. We'll be able to sleep at night even when everybody around us is making silly decisions because you'll know you're doing what only you can do. In verse 19, I won't read all this other stuff, but in verse 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. There's like not all these little secrets we have to figure out. We honestly, we have to keep pressing in in prayer, asking to encounter, God, I just want you to encounter me with your love. I need to experience your love more. I need to experience your love more because I, I," you know, you start doing this because I will be patient. I will be kind or I do not envy. I do not boast. I, I need to experience more of your love so that I can now love. That's it, So to understand. Out of his love, we love. And in that love, it dispels all darkness. So think about that. Think about in your family member, the person that's most unlovable, become love to them. Think about the person who's most divisive, most filled with gossip, anger, judgment, criticism. Like decide today that you are going to be the love of God to that person. Yeah, but what about this? And what if I feel this anger up in me? Push it down. I don't care if you have to do this and prophetically go, I'm pushing my anger down. It's not gonna have the best of me. Fear, leave, I'm gonna be love. Did Did you ever realize that? You can feel all kind of junk in here and not obey it. Until this leaves, just disobey all that feeling. It's all fleshly feelings. Anger's coming up, fear's coming up. You feel like getting out of control? I am patient. I am kind. I'm not proud. I'm not boastful. I'm not easily angered. I'm not going to keep a record of wrong. Like I'm preaching to myself right now too. I'm just saying this is truth. So we don't have to lower the value of truth just because we're not experiencing it right now. So you have loved ones, your top answer, you have loved ones that are far from Jesus and you haven't talked to them maybe for years. So you say, what else can I do but pray? Yes, continue to pray, but don't just pray that they'll come to know Jesus. Pray that the Lord's gonna bust open a door and that you're willing to break through that open door and be loved to them. Like why not not today when you're leaving the pie and pirates party, Why not today believe that that person that's far from God or far from you isn't gonna text you, isn't gonna call you? Like, why not today? We're not not throwing around Christian words, destined for breakthrough, and then nothing happens. Why not today? We say, I'm gonna be loved to the most unlovable family member I have. Why don't we pray? In fact, before we, we even pray, Uh, You could just bow your head, close your eyes. I want you to have the opportunity to experience the love of God if you haven't before. So even as Pastor Don was talking about it today, surrendering your life to Jesus, making him Lord and Savior of your life, experiencing that, that forgiveness because of the shed blood. If there's anybody in this room that has not experienced the love of God like that, and you want to experience that for the very first time, Without any further ado or any waiting, I just want you to raise your hand at this time and look at me. I just want to know that you're in the room and that you want to make that decision. If you've never experienced that forgiveness or love of God and you want to experience that today, would you just raise your hand and look up at me? Anyone at all in this room? All right, let's do this. If you're comfortable, put your hand on your heart. I do see one hand. Thank you very much. I'll talk with you after service. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Please see me before we go down. Wonderful. If you're comfortable, just put your hand on your heart, everybody across the room. Holy Spirit, come. Come, come, come. Love of God, come. Father, I pray for that one young man that raises his hand right now that you would just invade his heart with the love and forgiveness of God, with freedom from sin, freedom from fears. Let your word come to life right now in Jesus' name. Let that perfect love drive out, cast out, dispel all fear in Jesus' name. Father, for each one of us, we, we hear these verses outside of a mer- uh, wedding context and it hits, it hits our heart hard. It hits us hard, Lord. Father, I just pray that you would allow us to experience and encounter and be immersed, be drenched with the love of God until we are changed and transformed. We need you This can't be a a 14-day practice session. This can't be, I'm gonna try really hard the next time I see somebody that I love that's difficult to be around. No, we we need transform. We We need the love of God to come and just drench us. Fill us, Father. Let your perfect love fill us and just cast out fear that we'd be able to walk in the love that God has for us. And Father, I just pray right now specifically for every single person that put down family salvations and family relationships or any any type of wording that dealt with those two areas two weeks ago, anybody that wrote that down, we pray for breakthrough. We pray, God, that in this short season, you would break open, that you would be the breaker And God, they would have the courage and the boldness to break through that open door, that open gate, that open opportunity. Father, we pray for divine appointments, divine opportunities. I pray that you would open the way where there seems to be no other way. And ultimately, I pray, God, that this church family would be sensitive enough to your spirit to see that you've opened the door. So even if it's a crack that we would see there's light coming through that darkness and we know to step in, we know to text them, we know to call them, we know to visit, we know what to buy, we know what to say. Come on, Lord, we pray for that discernment. We pray for the boldness to walk through and be loved to them. Father, we pray that across this church, people, who have loved ones who don't yet know you. I pray that 2018 would be harvest time. I pray that seeds that were sown during the clear and during that fast, that we would see one after another, people that we love and we care for coming and bowing their knee to Jesus and surrendering their life to Jesus. I pray that this would be the year of the harvest for lost loved ones. And Father, we wanna be a part in that. We wanna partner with you and we thank you, God. So we just declare... Uh, Today, that we are patient and we are kind and we do not envy and we do not boast and we are not proud and we are not rude and we are not self-seeking, we are not easily angered and we will not keep records of wrongs. We will not delight in evil, but we will rejoice with truth. We will protect, we will trust, we will hope, we will persevere because you never fail. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.